إنك لا تهدي من أحببت ولكن الله يهدي من يشاء Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum salam. My name is John Fontaine and welcome to the Young Smirks podcast. I'm here joined with Sheikh Jabber all the way from Sokoto in Nigeria. Assalamu alaikum Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam Mr. John. How are you doing? <laughs> Alhamdulillah, I'm fine. Alhamdulillah. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you, I, I have heard a, a lot about you, but today I'm meeting you in person. Alhamdulillah. Oh, nice to meet you, Sheikh. Jazakallah. So, Sheikh, you've, um, <coughs> today we've been doing a journey of faith yeah. in Nigeria. How do you think it went? It was very fine, alhamdulillah, yeah. I think it worked. I I do attend a lot of such programs, but this one is so special. The turnout is very impressive, and the speakers are good, and yeah. and the people, the audience are listening, alhamdulillah. Yeah, so it's, alhamdulillah. It, it was fine, alhamdulillah. So we're here in Kano. How mm. far is... <coughs> uh, Sokoto is 500 kilometers away okay. from here. Just 500 kilometers, you know, and... Uh, it's the same distance between Mecca and Medina. The same oh, distance sorry. from Sokoto to Kano. <laughs> so, so you're doing Hijra to... <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Sheikh, you spent a lot of time in Medina. You mm. actually, you're actually a graduate from Medina yeah. University. Yeah. How was your time in, in the Middle East? Alhamdulillah, that was the best time I had in my life. Yeah. Medina was so amazing. Medina was so good. So, you know, back during the life of the Prophet ﷺ, before he migrated to Medina, it was called Yathrib. Yeah. When he migrated, he gave it the name Medina. And uh, there is authentic hadith that when the Prophet ﷺ traveled, when he's coming back, he's very enthusiastic to get to Medina and very happy to get to Medina. Medina uh, is a very happy city. My stay in Medina, I went to Medina in 1999. Yeah. And when I went, I was so minor, they said I couldn't start university degree. So I went for a language. That is what they call Shu'ubatu Ta'alimi Lugal Arabiya. You have to start learning language for one year. Yeah. Then I did the one-year language, then I joined the university. I joined Kulliyatul uh, Hadith, that's the, the faculty of Hadith. Mashallah. It was so amazing, so nice. In the morning, we woke up early in the morning, early in the morning, like 8 a.m., we go to class. Then uh, after 2 p.m., uh, uh, we went back to, or we do go back to our hostels. Then from there... After Asr, uh, we joined buses to go to the Masjid al-Haram, the, the, the Masjid of the Prophet ﷺ. So amazing. And in Masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, I learned from many scholars, part of which is Sheikh Abdul Sin Abad, he's still alive. Mashallah, mashallah. I studied uh, Sunani Abi Dawood and uh, part of Sunan Tirmidhi with him. I also studied with Sheikh Muhammad al-Muqtar al-Shantiti, and Sheikh Jabi Jazairi uh, was alive at the time. I used to sit with him for some times, and all the mashayikh, like uh, many of them, Sheikh Shaybat al-Hamd was alive at the time, and I do attend some of his cycles. Uh, Dr. Fullata, uh, I do attend some of his cycles, and many of them, alhamdulillah, it was so nice and amazing. I mean, it must have been a big shock for you, uh, you know, leaving Nigeria at that time. And going time, to Medina. Going to Medina. How did you find <coughs> the difference in Islam? You know, well, well, before difference in Islam, when I got the admission later, I cried, I wept. And when I took it to my father, he also wept out of happiness that my uh, child now is going to Medina to study. So I was really happy. The only thing I was scared about before I went is that they said we're going to study in Medina for four years. And I was thinking, how could I be a scholar? Because I, all my life I wanted to be a scholar. And my dad wanted me to be a scholar. I was like, how could I be a scholar in four years? I wish it is 10 years. Yeah. But when I went there, I, I, I lived in Medina for six years. The first year was learning Arabic and uh, four years for university degree and one year for postgraduate diploma in, uh, uh, in, in Qadha. 
so it was really nice and i enjoyed it very much now a lot of differences between nigeria and there in terms of religion in terms of uh, people practicing religion in terms of environment today in the world nowhere no place you can compare with medina no. medina is the source of islam is where the quran was revealed is where the prophet leave is relatively the most peaceful the most religious uh, where you find people practicing and everything so you cannot compare the two when i went there i was really happy the first day i I set my leg in the my foot in the masjid of the Prophet. I was happy. I was oh. like I shed tears that this is the masjid we used to see on pictures and TV today I'm in. Yes. Oh. So it was a joyful moment yes. actually. Well, of course it, it it must have been very tough as well. It's not easy. It was being very tough. In the first year when I was learning Arabic, it was very tough on me, very tough, especially in Arabic grammar and I come things that I couldn't understand and uh, I had to seek the assistance of some elder mm -hmm. colleagues and uh, they helped me a lot so it was good so how many years did you end up staying in medina six years one year learning arabic four years for university degree and one year for a postgraduate diploma so you got in the middle of the four years and the yeah, ten years yeah yeah yeah, yeah i got six <laughs> i was happy hmm. so every time you go back uh, since it's like yeah. going back home, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's like going back home. I I go and visit the university, and you know, I, I sometimes meet with some of my colleagues when we mm. studied, and it it will be amazing. It will be memories. I, it will, it reminds me of when I was there six yeah. years. You know, there was one amazing thing is that one day when I was student there, and we we're going daily from the university. Uh, we commit to 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 Masjid al Nabi Sallam mm. to the Masjid uh, that the Prophet marks. And one day when we are going, one of our friends say we do take this for granted because we do go on a daily basis. Some people are there saving their mm. money or life just to have the opportunity to come here. So mm. it was shocking statement when he yeah. said, we said, okay, we have to use the best of this opportunity yeah. because one day it will go. Yeah. We wouldn't also have the opportunity to be going on a daily basis. Today, here I am in Nigeria, I, I can't go to... Prophet Mosque on daily basis. Oh, so, uh, so you were studying in the university, and in the afternoon you uh, was in the masjid. Yeah, yeah, yeah in the masjid, well. in the in the university, then afterwards in the masjid. Oh, yeah, Allah. on daily basis. So, what what advice would you give to someone who's aspiring to be a student of knowledge, someone who aspires to be a scholar? Well, to be honest with you, the best place to go Allah is Medina. Firstly, uh, you have pure knowledge. You have pure aqidah. And uh, because Medina, the environment is itself will help you to learn. Uh, it's very segregated. You know, in other environments, because of the scene, you will see a lot. Mm. It will affect your learning. It will affect your uh, your understanding and ability. But in Medina, like Islamic University of Medina, they're purely male, no female, yeah. no no staff female, no student female, mm. nothing. So all of you. And when I studied in Medina. Even television was prohibited in the, your hostel. Mm. You just need to stay and, and study yeah. and recite Quran. When I studied in Medina, attending congregational prayer was obligatory upon all students. Mm. So someone will come at a time of prayer to start knocking you. Just go out and pray. Go out and pray. Mm -hmm. So you become religious. Yes. When you come, become religious, seeking knowledge will become easier for you. Allah says, Fear Allah, Allah will teach you. Yeah. So it was really, um, it, it was really environment of learning, and sure. scholars everywhere, and you know, big yeah, scholars. You know, I always, matter. I always think about students from Medina, and mm. 
And it must be so hard to leave and come back <laughs> home. <laughs> Maybe because you live in a, in a very advanced country. For me, even no, I Medina? mean, I mean, once you've left, when you leave Medina, mm. you know, you've spent yeah, six yeah, years yeah, in Medina. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the best place yeah, in the yeah, world. Yeah. You've been missing it. You have to go home. Y you know, when I miss it most is that one our flight was, was taken off, and I could see Medina from the window. Oh my god, <laughs> is it the final? And you know, the, the visa they gave you. Uh, when, when we were studying there, annually we used to come home and like visit our family. Yeah. So they give us a uh, uh, re-entry visa. Mm. But the last visa, they will say, Khurujin Nihai, final, final. They will stand uh, So you know, if you go now, you're not going to use the same visa to come back. So when the flight took off and from the window, I was looking at the masjid of the prophet. I was looking at everywhere. I have to cry. I had to cry. That look. I lived here for six years. Now I'm living this place. I'm I'm living for good. Yeah. So it wasn't easy for me. Before then, uh, one of the most amazing things I had in Medina was I met Sheikh Muhammad bin Salil Uthaymin in one of the Hajj in in 2000 Hajj. We sat to get, We sat. I mean, I sat in his tent, and he was giving lecture. I also sat with him in Ramadan of 2000, and uh, Alhamdulillah, it's one of the most historical things in my life. Wow. I met Sheikh Fawzan, I studied under him, Sheikh Bakra Abdullah Abu Zaid, Sheikh Saleh Luhaydan, and many Shiyukh scholars that I couldn't have seen if I didn't go to Medina. How was it like actually meeting this Sheikh? The and... meeting is in knowledge cycle. Mm. After Salah, mostly Sheikh Uthaymin will come and sit and he will start deliberating and you listen. And some people will write questions and he will ask questions as well. He will ask people questions. So amazing. One of the most memorable things in my life, actually. Subhanallah. It's, it's amazing. To, uh... it's, it's amazing, actually. Really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> now, Medina wasn't your final uh, stage of yeah, uh, yeah. studying. Yeah. Subhanallah. You actually traveled to my yeah. country, England. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your, your trip to England. I mean, was, okay. had you been to England before you okay. went to study? Be when I finished Medina, I, 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 I came back to Nigeria and I started working as a teacher in one of college. It's called College of Legal and Islamic Studies. So if you are working as a teacher in Nigeria, you need to further your education. You cannot stay with degree. You need to do master's and PhD. Then I got um, admission in the University of East London. Mm -hmm. I was sponsored by my state government to go and further my education. Then I went to London. Now, when I went to London, the most memorable thing I could remember, that was the first time of my journey to London. Cold. I was freezing. <laughs> and it was only minus one. Uh, I could remember... Sheikh Asim, Asim. So you went, you went in summertime. I, <laughs> I could remember today, who was telling us, were you in our car coming back from in the afternoon? No, yeah. in the afternoon. Sheikh, in Asim, and, uh, Sheikh Asim was Muhammad saying... Salah. Oh, Muhammad, Muhammad, Salah. Muhammad Salah. Was saying that in Canada, in, yeah, minus, minus 50. Minus yeah. 50. So I couldn't imagine minus 50. No, we, I've never experienced I that. was freezing. I was freezing. Mm. When I, there were people that were supposed to receive me at the airport. Here from Nigeria, I was told that England is very cold. You need to get, um, you need to get a jacket. Then I got one jacket. <laughs> I was underrating the, the issue. Yeah. When I went to the airport, Heathrow Airport, the people, the people who came to to welcome me, said, uh, "Don't you have any jacket?" I said, "This is my jacket." They said, "It's not enough." When we go out there, because you know, an airport is heating, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I thought when we went out, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't hold my fingers. Yes, so freezing. So when I called my mom, the first thing I told her is that I was, I, I thought I was in your refrigerator or something like that. <laughs> the way I was, 
Um, uh, so I went to England. It was also a nice and memorable. Uh, I did my masters. I went in 2011 and I came back at 2012. Mm. I did my masters in one year. Now, mm. the most memorable thing about England is when I went for my PhD. Because when mm. I went for my masters, nobody knew because I was so scared. I want to get my degree. Mm. So people didn't know I was Medina graduate. Mm. So I focused on my academics mm. and I made sure that I studied well to get a flying college come back to Nigeria. After that, I went for PhD. That's when people discovered that I'm a Medina graduate mm. and I enjoyed it in Nottingham. Mm. Um, in Nottingham, when I went for PhD, uh, uh, the, I was appointed Imam of the Masjid. So I was leading, leading uh, khutbah, giving khutbah, leading prayer uh, on, on Friday. I have all the assistant imams that help me. Um, I also taught some books, like I taught Kitab Tawheed, and also do give lectures from time to time. I also taught some books on some cycles of knowledge with some imams. When they recognized I was from Medina, it was a big recognition. So how long was you in England for, in Nottingham? In Nottingham, I was there for three and a half years. Yeah, I, what I, year was this? Uh, 2014 to 2018, last year. Okay, yeah. so some people might know you then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but many people know me in Nottingham, many, especially many Muslim communities. Mashallah. I do... I do give khutbah, not in, in, our, in the university, yes, I was like the imam. I have mm. some other people who assisted me. And also there is a big masjid in Nottingham. It's, it's called Masjid Umar. Mm. So I do give talk there and also do give khutbahs mm. there. And there is another masjid, Masjid Abraka Siddiq. And the university had some campuses mm. and I do go to like Ghibli campus. You know, Nottingham University, I actually spoke there. Uh, about two years ago, yeah, and really. the ISOC actually yeah. supported a school in Sierra Leone. Mashallah. Yeah, yeah. Spoke, I know about did, the issue. That's that's my that's my project. Oh, that's your project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. We yeah. we, we were so, like a raising fund for that project yes. in Sierra Leone. Yes, yes. Because yeah. they, they, they raised initially you know for what? one charity, but they couldn't do the work. When you went so to Nottingham, yeah. I was there, but I didn't attend your talk. Oh, oh I understand. But I was there when you went because yeah. I knew about the project. Yeah. When they started the project, I was the I saw president. Yeah, and they, they had a very active mm. ISOC, yeah. mashallah. Very active ISOC. You got ISOC. them doing da'wah and all We have of one of the biggest yeah. prayer rooms in the United Kingdom. Yes, I in remember. All upstairs, the, yeah, yeah. Upstairs, yeah. yeah. So we are really happy about that. And the university was so cooperating with us. Mashallah. University wanted to make uh, it that if you want to get to the masjid, you have to use your ID card. We said no, because our hosting community outside mm. Muslims do like to pray with us. So they are not students. They don't have the ID card. Then the university accepted. The university was so understanding with the Muslims. They are so cooperating with us. So when you went to give your talk, yeah, I was uh, I was there. Right. Now I've discovered that, yeah. Yeah, they were very, they're very active, mashallah. Very active. Know, I was very impressed with the ISOC. When we yeah. went to, like, there is what they call forces, the ISOC of the, like, for, mm. but we find that our ISOC was so strong, stronger than many ISOCs mm. in the United Kingdom. And, and there is a week we call DIW, Discover Islam Week. Mm. We do, like, um, we do raise up to twenty thousand pounds or more, more, more than that sometimes. Twenty-three thousand pounds, yeah. pounds, pounds. Sorry, during my tenure as a president, Inshallah. and also some people do embrace the faith. Uh, I could remember not many of them accepting Islam when we go mm. out for the hour. Mm. 
Um, I remember actually when I went to Nottingham, it was freezing, it was snowing. Yeah. Do you remember that time? Yeah, you knew. I and knew. I got stuck. I actually had to call off one of, I had a lecture in, mm. uh, in uh, South Wales. Yeah. In, I, could, I, had, I actually left Nottingham and you went know, to Birmingham. John, I, I remember yeah. very much when yes, you came. Yeah. I was the president, but yeah. I wasn't able to, to, to attend mm. your talk, but yeah. I was the president okay. organizing everything. Now, in, in Nottingham, you mm. actually did your PhD with uh, John yeah, Hoover. John Hoover, yeah. Now, John Hoover, you're surprised that I actually know him. But yeah, he's, I surprised he's, that he's quite well known. He's well England, known. Especially amongst the Muslims because yeah. of his interest in yeah. Ibn Taymiyyah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, I know, I could remember when I went to, when I was the ISOC president and I went to meet you with the deputy registrar of the university and he told, he asked me, who is your supervisor? I said, it's uh, John Hoover. He said, wow, that's international figure. He mm -hmm. was like, yeah. Hoover is very, Hoover is very good person. He's yeah. one of the good people that I interacted with. Mm -hmm. um, Hoover was ready to assist and Hoover wasn't a Muslim, but you know what? He was just... When he's writing, he will never criticize Islam. He will never. He, he's very academic. Yeah. So yeah. Jan Hoover is really known uh, and he's respected a scholar. So I, 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 he supervised me for three and a half years. I mean, the interesting thing is he's well known because of who he's interested in. Yeah, which is yeah Ibn because Taymiyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah. Of course, and a, yeah. a lot of Muslims, maybe they're watching, maybe they don't know who Ibn Taymiyyah, Taymiyyah is. is. So, Maybe you can give us a, a little insight. Ibn Taymiyyah is an interesting figure. Though he's controversial sometimes, mm -hmm. if we talk about uh, uh, Islamic world, he's controversial. He's a Sunni scholar. He's a Salafi scholar. He's a scholar emphasizing that the Ummah needs to go back to the Book of Allah, mm -hmm. the Sunnah of the Prophet, with the understanding of the pious predecessor. Mm -hmm. Ibn Taymiyyah is an encyclopedia. It's like he knows everything about Islam. Whatever mm -hmm. area, they said sometimes he will sit down with someone from a different madhab and they will start uh, making a bit argument or discussing. That person who thinks he's a sheikh in that madhab will realize that Ibn Taymiyyah knew the madhab more than him. So Ibn Taymiyyah is vast and versatile yeah. in everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, one interesting uh, thing it, about it, mm. it's, it's quite interesting because I know the topic of your your PhD, yeah. and yes. I remember actually looking into this. Obviously, after the rise of nine eleven, nine eleven, mm. you know, a lot of the media <coughs> and the governments were actually trying to blame yeah. Ibn, uh, Ibn Taymiyyah. Yeah. Uh, Ibn Taymiyyah became uh, popular in Western world after nine eleven, mm. simply because. The jihadist or yeah, the Al Qaeda at that mm. time used to cut him. Used to cut him most. Most of the quotations is from Ibn Taymiyyah. Mm. Why? Because there is a unique and interesting thing about Ibn Taymiyyah. Unlike other scholars, you'll find other scholars just wrote books and things. Ibn Taymiyyah wrote books. He was in prison, so he mm. struggled politically, and he fought jihad against the Mongols. Mm. So. If you're Muslim, whatever you want to relate from Ibn Taymiyyah, you can get a, a bear. Yeah. Even the jihadists that are scholars. Mm. So he's been through analysis. these political problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually he went through, through political problems. Yeah. So like uh, Muslim organizations today that are struggling for, for politics and mm. for, they, they will find a room in Ibn Taymiyyah to mm. court. And he also fought jihad mm. against Mongols. So the people that are claiming that we are jihadists today, we want to fight jihad, mm. they will find a room to cut Ibn Taymiyyah. Mm. He also wrote in, in, in philosophy and other fields. And mm. So now why Ibn Taymiyyah, we found that my, my, my thesis, my PhD was about Ibn Taymiyyah's concept of jihad and its appropriation by the contemporary jihadist. Mm. Now, how do I come with this topic? When I was in Nigeria, 
Boko Haram, then we know Boko Haram, mm. they are part of this jihadist. And they do quote Ibn Taymiyyah a lot. Mm. When they came with this idea of Boko Haram, when I looked into it, I know that this idea wasn't a good idea. But why do they quote Ibn Taymiyyah? This is a person of reputation. This is a person I respect. Yeah. And I said to myself that whenever I have opportunity, I will try to make a research to find the relationship between Ibn Taymiyyah and these people. And when I went to Nottingham, I found the best person, John Hoover, specialized in Ibn Taymiyyah. He helped me a lot with resources. And because I have ability to read Arabic, it also helped a lot. I can go directly to the writings of Ibn Taymiyyah. Mm. I don't need a translator. And I will go to the secondary literature, uh, books written about Ibn Taymiyyah. Mm. Then I will go to how this uh, jihadist caught Ibn Taymiyyah. Mm. Then what I found out is that jihadist caught Ibn Taymiyyah a lot is the most quoted because he's the only scholar that fought jihad, the most only formidable scholar known. Mm. That, that fought jihad. Because he fought jihad, and they are fighting jihad, they think they have commonality in Ibn Taymiyyah. Mm. Secondly, most of these jihadis are fighting Muslim government. Mm. You see that Al-Qaeda was fighting Saudi government, was fighting in Yemen, uh, ISIS also in Iraq. Mm. They're fighting Muslim government. They're mm. not coming to the, to the West. Only uh, sometimes, you know, they do have some bomb attack and suicide attack in the West. But primarily, they are fighting the Muslim, the people mm. who claim Islam. And Ibn Taymiyyah fought Mongols. And mm. Mongols said that we are Muslims. Mm. Ibn Taymiyyah fought Mongols after Mongols converted to Islam. But Ibn Taymiyyah's argument is, argument is that you Mongols, you are not a true Muslims. We have to fight you. Mm. So today's jihadists, they are saying, just like Ibn Taymiyyah told the Mongols that they were not a true Muslims, that today's government is not a true Muslims, and so we have so to fight them. To justify, to, to justify from Ibn yeah. Taymiyyah. So Ibn Taymiyyah had three controversial fatwas. Mm. Alhamdulillah, I'm the first person to translate the whole fatwas into English, the three fatwas. Mm. Because I'm writing about this topic and I'm writing in English, I need to translate them. And I have published two of them in one uh, in, 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 um, in a journal in India. I published two of these uh, fatwas that I translated with John. John was provising my translation. Mm. So, <coughs> sorry. So John was was, was provided. So in this fatwas, Ibn Taymiyyah made a lengthy writing, a lengthy argument that we need to fight the Mongols, despite the fact that they claim Islam, but they are not good Muslims. Mm. Why? Because they do claim, they do kill Muslims yeah. first, the Mongols, they do attack Muslims, and the jihadists will say that now the, the Arab government are also fighting Muslims. They are fighting us, the jihadists, so we're supposed to fight them back. Also, Ibn Taymiyyah says, they are not good Muslims, the Mongols, because they connive with non-Muslim government. Mm. The jihadists are saying, because our Arab rulers also connive with Western government. You see, mm. they are trying to find so justification. They parallels. with Ibn mm. Taymiyyah. But the missing gap is that Ibn Taymiyyah enlisted some qualities or some characteristics in Mongols that made them non-Muslim, not only because they are mm. conniving with, like they believe in Yasa, Yasa is a different book from the Book of God, uh, mm. a, a different Yasa code. And also, Jankhiz, they, 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 mm. they eulogize him, they, they worship him. Mm. While this Arab government, they don't worship anyone other than Allah. He said, okay. yeah. He so, said, so Ibn Taymiyyah regarded the Mongols as not Muslim at the, at he the time? He regarded the Mongols at his time yeah. as non-Muslims, mm. and he fought them. So that's the basis mm. these uh, jihadists are finding. 
Mm. But it's totally parallel. It's totally uh, they are they are misquoting Ibn mm. Taymiyyah simply because mm. uh, Ibn Taymiyyah also lived with the government of the time, which was not the best government. They are corrupt yeah. government. Ibn Taymiyyah, mind you, Ibn Taymiyyah did not mm. fight Mongols on himself. Mm. He collaborated with the government of the day, mm. the government of Syria at the day, the government of Sham. He collaborated with them. To fight the Mongols, and they already had power. And they already had power, and, and they are not good people. The government of the day that Ibn Taymiyyah collaborated with is not better than today's government. You know, a few a few months ago, John Hoover mm. came out and actually spoke about this. Yeah, was it because of you? <laughs> it's my I don't know. Maybe maybe even uh, John Hoover yeah. last week he sent me an email. He said. My new book, Ibn Taymiyyah and the uh, World Makers, Ibn Taymiyyah is coming and I acknowledge you in the introduction. Mashallah, so I was really happy. Mashallah, mashallah. Because, yeah, because he, it, was, it was a big thing. It was a big thing. Uh, it was only like maybe three, three, four months ago. I don't know if you're aware. He, he came about out. his lecture. I know. He came out, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he sent it to me. He sent yeah, He said. Um, he sent a He defended Ibn Taymiyyah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, and, and the sad thing, and the sad yeah. thing was, we, we have some Muslims yeah. who actually. Accusing Ibn Taymiyyah. Yeah. But we had a non-Muslim yeah. uh, who, who who studied Ibn Taymiyyah actually defending him. Yeah. That, very that is why I said Ibn Taymiyyah is a controversial mm. figure. Yeah. Whatever you need, because he's an encyclopedia of knowledge. Mm. He talked in almost different fields and uh, mm. his books are really interesting. Inshallah. If you read his book, you're going to get satisfied on each topic he mm. wrote about. Yeah. So, so you've obviously... Uh, you know, many Arab scholars, Muslim scholars who are experts uh, in Ibn Taymiyyah, mm. you know, in your, in your mm. research. Yeah. What scholars yeah. have you, have you, yeah, um, uh, the, 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 the first person, a Muslim that is, that specialized in Ibn Taymiyyah is Professor, um, he's not an Arab. He, he's also, he taught also in England, in Oxford. He's the one who is external supervisor of John Hoover. Mm. His name is Professor Yusuf. I'm not sure. He's an expert in Ibn Taymiyyah. I wrote his book, Ibn Taymiyyah Against Extremism. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that person. I read many of his books. Yeah. I read his Madin Fatwa, yeah. uh, Ibn Taymiyyah's Madin Fatwa. I, was, mm. I read his Ibn Taymiyyah Against uh, Extremism. He was the excellent supervisor of John Hoover when he mm. did his PhD. Mm. So um, he's the first Muslim I know who is really expert in mm. Ibn Taymiyyah. Now, if you go to Arab world, you will find that most of specialists in Ibn Taymiyyah, especially in terms of rituals, how Ibn Taymiyyah described the prayer of the Prophet, mm. how he described Hajj, his opinion on this. His opinion on Jihad is reserved. Uh, many scholars don't talk about it. It's mm. an academic issue. Yeah, yeah. I came across a, 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 a dissertation by one I think Mariam Hanem is. She was from Syria. She's from Syria. She also wrote about Ibn Taymiyyah's mm. fatwa. Yeah, or jihad. Mm. So mm. it must be a very interesting uh, research. Yeah, very interesting research. Yeah. Uh, people wanted to read my research. It was really interesting. Mm. And now, mm. Subhanallah. Mm. It, it just so happens to be that you're now an imam mm. in Sokoto, Sokoto yeah. and this is a, has a huge history mm. of yeah. Islam. Yeah, you know, course, I, I'm not sure. I hope we have a bit of time to at least touch. Yeah, upon. well, actually, um, I became imam two months before I left for Nottingham. Mm. 
and it was a big masjid established and uh, people wanted me to be their imam and the sultan approved that the sultan of sokoto he approved me to be an imam of that masjid and because before i went to nottingham i established um a foundation called imam malik foundation islamic foundation and i train students i do teach students so i have capable student of mine that can be my deputies mm. and they went on with the masjid while i was in england mashallah now when i came back i took over from them they are still deputizing me like yesterday friday i was like struggling to come here one of them led the prayer um in sokoto alhamdulillah i'm well known i'm well respected i love my people the people mm. of sokoto they also love me they listen mm. to me especially the youth i talk to them so my masjid is a center where youth and elderly people all together come to study how, how how did you find was you easily accepted you know coming back from saudi no. you know you know many people may be mm. labeling mm. you wahhabi salafi you know <clears throat> you know because obviously <clears throat> you know uh, especially in sokoto and, mm. and northern nigeria mm. nigeria in mm. the whole you know they they, they have um Uh, mainly maliki sufi mm, mm. you know a lot of them so how how was it how was it when you came back well people people do consider me as a moderate okay like um, they do consider me because i do fair to them mm. it's like i tread I, i approach issues from academic point of view mm. i tell my opinion i tell the other opinion if i think my opinion is the strongest i, I mention the reason why i think mm. my opinion is strongest mm. then i give excuse to others and i would the hope that people will correct That is what made my people to love me and many people to understand from me. Uh, I have many programs on radio, on FM in Sokoto. And when it is me, people know, they do call me Wahhabi, Salafi, but they listen to this. They said, this Wahhabi, Salafi, this Wahhabi, Salafi is just. So we yeah. listen to him sometimes. He, yeah. he give a fair talk. And also, I think a lot of the time it's about the approach. It's, it's about the about approach. The it's about you know? the approach. Yeah. Yeah. When you approach yeah. people, that like, you look here, you're all kufar. All you're doing is strong. Look <laughs> no. here, you are wrong. I don't mind if your parents are wrong. Your poor parents are wrong. Yeah. No, we don't do that. Mm. We tread it in an academic mm. manner. We make, make we we make an, an academic mm. approach. Look, this issue there's difference of opinion of mm. scholars. Mm. Some scholars said this, and this is their reason. Mm. Other scholars said this, and this is our reason. We think the strongest view is this, and yeah. this are our reason. However, the people who said A, they have their own reasons. Yeah. Allah knows why they do yeah. it, but we think this is the best. Yeah. So people do say, yeah, 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 this is kind of fair. There are many people, yeah. when I'm giving a talk, many people that are Sufis, many people that are followers, they come to listen to me. Ashallah. And to some extent, they do understand me and they do like drop some of their beliefs of soupy they don't drop it 100% sometimes but yeah. a bit by bit yeah. some people who drop it 100% yeah, someone told me that i know a shi'i person mm. who just because he likes your talk he will go and attend and alhamdulillah he's no more shi'i alhamdulillah so Allah. interesting so it, so it was difficult when you came back initially it was difficult when i came back yeah. initially because people when you start talking people are listening to you what is he want mm. to say is he want to say that we are all kufar mm. we are not muslims mm. or we are all wrong is he want to mm. establish his wahhabism mm. and salafism so i think i think these days i think mm. actually traveling <clears throat> to hajj and umrah mm. has actually helped break a lot of boundaries yeah, because it helped you know when people go there they they, they realize some, peop- it, some people you know. are still conservatives yeah. and some people are doing it back here in a job political purposes 
he will go to Saudi Arabia for Hajj and Umrah and he will pray behind Sudais mm. and behind all the people that are Wahhabis. Mm. When he come back to Nigeria, he will say, I won't, I won't pray behind Wahhabi. So it's mm. political. Yeah. Because in Nigeria, he has his own sect. He's benefiting from it. Yeah. So once he, talk, when, once he tell his people that you can follow Wahhabi, he will be mm. losing his crowd. Yeah. So, yeah. Sheikh, one thing I was, I was speaking to... Uh, mm. The brother before, mm. and I was saying that I'm, I'm quite surprised because in northern Nigeria, Kano, mm. uh, you know, I, I'm guessing uh, Sokoto as well, people are fairly well educated in Islam. You know, mm. you find a lot of, I've traveled quite a lot, mm. and uh, I do find that the, the, the people who are attending the lectures, mm. they, they're fairly well informed about mm. Islam, and, yeah. and Islam has a huge presence, yeah. especially in the north of Nigeria, yeah. Yeah. you know, because you have this rich history <coughs> and culture, mm. you know, people have an Islamic identity, mm. and do you think a lot of this comes down to the history of of the, you. Yes, yeah. Before the coming of colonial masters, before they came, uh, Islam was the predominant. I mean, Sharia was in place and people do have everything. That's why till today, mm. you will find that our emirs and sultan, they are all turbaned. Mm. They are all something representing that we are Muslim. Before, before the coming of uh, colonial masters, everything mm. was Islamic, purely Islamic. Uh, uh, the, 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 the empire, so-called empire established by Sheikh Usman Amfodio was in Pulsulis and people were reading, mm. really. And he had, uh, he has many books he wrote and people are reading these books. Mm. So, I mean, I guess uh, at his time he would have been regarded as the yeah. The, the jihadist, if yeah. you like. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only because he succeeded and he established yeah. a dollar, yeah. he established a state. But when the colonial masters came, they, they broke it. Mm. But still, mm. uh, you, can, you can sense uh, the, the living of the dollar. Mm. For instance, now in northern Nigeria, a typical house of man will send his child first to Islamic school before Western education. Mm. And if by the age of seven, he sent him to Western education. Simultaneously, when he come back, he will be attending the Islamic school. Yeah. So he will be attending the Islamic school at the age of primary and secondary yeah. school. Yeah. Some of them will continue when they get to the university. Mm. But in primary and secondary schools, mm. people will be attending Islamic schools after, yeah. after the, 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 the conventional one. Yeah. And also in Nigerian system of education, in primary and secondary school, you will find that there are subjects specifically teaching Islam. Mm. There is what's called Islamic religious knowledge, IRK. So in per, from primary mm. one, two, three, to SS, uh, mm. GSS one, two, three, you find. Do you think this is uh, like, it actually reflects more from a tribal perspective as well? Like the Hausa and the Fuller tribe, mm. very, uh, you know, mm. uh, <coughs> they love Islam. Yeah. You know, other tribes are yeah. not so strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With, All with the tribes are not so, as yeah. strong as Hausa and Fulani. Mm. Because you remember... And the Hausa and the Fulani, they, they, the they Fulani, the they travel, it was... It was over, it wasn't just as you say Nigeria. It was yeah, it was in Nigeria. It was Africa. like West Africa, like the many part of them in Niger Republic, in Cameroon, Ghana. in Chad, in Ghana, Bigger. in Senegal. Part of them in Senegal as mm. well, and in and in some of the even in Central Africa, you find some mm. of them. In Gambia, you find mm. a bit of them, especially the Fulanis. Yes. So the influence, the Fulanis are learned. They are elite. Before the coming of mm. colonial masters, the planets are the elite. They are the educated ones. They are the ruling class. Mm. So it has effect. And the, 
Today in Northern Nigeria and part of Niger and part of Chad and, uh, Chad and Cameroon, Houses and Fulani's assimilated. Mm. I mean, they're all the same thing. Like me, my mother is Fulani, my father is Hausa. Yes. So they intermarry, yeah. I mean, between them. It's very so close to each other. They're very close to each other and they're really understanding mm. one another. But I, I find it very fascinating. Yeah, you know, you know, the history you know one of, of the most fascinating thing is that we are practicing Muslims. Mm. Mm. Or like, for instance, if you go to Middle East, also the Arabia in particular, they are sometimes imposed by government in Nigeria. It is uh, kind of, you can say, semi-liberal, as you can say, uh, but still people are practicing on their own. There was a scholar who taught us in Medina, and uh, his name is Dr. Abdullah Murad. He's a student of disciple of Sheikh Nasuddin al-Albani. Yeah. He said, I've gone around the world. I have never seen a place where people do give attention to Salah. They pray on time. Yeah. The masjid will be full. They, they make sure they join their roles and they supplicate after praying like Nigeria. He said, I have never seen a place in this world like Nigeria when it comes to establishing Salah. So we are very good on Salah. It's rare you find a Nigerian who does not pray. If you know, a Muslim, we, we were speaking about this in the car because mm. as you know, in the UK, mm. most of the Nigerians mm. which you would come across maybe mm. uh, Yoruba or mm. Igbo. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's Quite rare to see Hausa, mm. uh, which goes and lives, yeah, yeah. you know, as an economic migrant, yeah, yeah. you know, to actually, yeah. you know, because the Hausa are very stuck to... <coughs> very stuck. Know. They are conservative. Yeah. They are content as well, mm. because most of the people going to UK from Nigeria, they are going to struggle yeah. for the, as, as you said, economic refugees. Mm. And the Hausas here backward, they are farmers, they are mm. traders, they are content as well. Mm. They are not very much exposed yeah. to the Western culture. Mm. Remember, when the colonial masters came, they didn't fight anyone in the South, in Yoruba, and they just assimilated them. Oh, new civilization is coming. Yeah. But when they came to North, people said, no, we have our own civilization, we yeah. have our own government, we're not going to submit. Mm. It was like after uh, after intensive mm. uh, fighting. I remember, I remember when I came uh, the first time to the North, you mm. know, to Abuja and mm. Kano, a few years ago, and I was actually shocked because, you know, I thought I knew Nigeria. Mm. You know, I've been growing up with Nigerians, mm. uh, you know, I, but again, most of the Nigerians I've come into contact with are Yoruba, mm. Igbo, and mm. these, you know, because these are the Nigerians mm. in the UK, mm. but it's a totally different thing it's in to the North, a totally, totally different, different culture. Everything down to the food. Everything, yeah, 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 yeah. everything is different. And, and if, if you if you if you realize that most mm. of the Nigerians you meet in the UK are even non-Muslims, mm. because most yeah. of Igbos and Yorubas that live outside yeah, are non-Muslims. But yeah. houses, they are almost ninety something percent Muslims mm. and uh, mm. very traditional. Even the mode of dressing yeah. in the north, you see yeah. that they are very conservative yes. in their own dressing. They dress in their own way. Whereas Yorubas and Evos do mm. imitate Westerners. I mean, mm. the way people dress in England, that's mm. how they dress mm. in their own. Like you say, I so they're brave of their it, culture because of the north. You know, Abuja, Kano being more closer to the desert, closer mm. to the trade routes. Mm. You know, <clears throat> to you know, because you, you've got access to east. Yeah, uh, Sudan and yeah. down into East yeah. Africa and yeah. also West mm. Africa. So it's mm. a very interesting kind of, <coughs> you know, uh, point mm. place. Yeah, place yeah, yeah. That is why, as you said, that most of Nigerians you meet in in the UK, uh, Yorubas and Igbos. If you go to Sudan, most of Nigerians you meet there are houses. Mm. Because their concern, the basic concern of a house, a man is to go to Saudi Arabia and do Hajj. 
Yes. And before uh, the coming of technology, and they used to go on, on foot. Mm. And they will camp at Sudan. If you go, a lot of them in Sudan, a lot of them in Chad and Egypt, then they will uh, cross the Atlantic. They will cross the ocean mm. to, and Egypt to to kneel to 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 so, to Hajj. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I actually met a sheikh in uh, in in Ghana. Mm. Uh, one of the first uh, students in Medina, actually, mm. he mm. he was telling me his story. He travelled mm. through uh, West Africa mm. into Sudan, studied Arabic for a few years, and then he went. Uh, into into uh, into Jeddah that way, you know. My grandfather did the same, and my father and my grandfather and my grandmother and my father was born on the way coming back. <laughs> So, Sheikh, Jazakallah Khair, it's been a eye-opening discussion. It's nice meeting you. I hope we can meet. We invited you in Nottingham. I wasn't able to make it. Allah Akbar, we're going to meet in Nigeria. Alhamdulillah. And yeah, I hope we can work together in the future. Maybe we can do more events and conferences. Inshallah. Come to the UK or Uganda. Inshallah. We have already exchanged contact. You WhatsApp me, so your number will keep on, Inshallah. Jazakallah in that group you said you said oh, well, yeah, please make sure yeah, you add me so that I will send to other people inshallah. nice meeting you thank you for listening to the Young Smokes podcast with me John Fontaine be sure to follow us on Instagram and YouTube and all the other outlets like and subscribe and leave a comment and also please support us on the donation link below so that we can continue to give you quality podcasts thank you very much Jazakallah Khair Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh